didn't see it coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Hey, welcome back to Didn't See It Coming. You know, there are some things in branding that never get tired and old. One of those topics, those evergreen topics, is positioning. That is, how can you position yourself in the market so that you stand apart from and above the competition? Just recently, I went on the air with Mark Brené at CFAX Radio to talk about that. Here's our conversation. I, uh, I keep coming back to it because clients keep asking me for it. It's an age-old problem that if you are going to create something and put it out in the world, in order for people to find value in it, it has to be differentiated from what everybody else can buy. Otherwise, it becomes a commodity. And you know the nature of commodity, one type of rice is the same as another type of rice, so the price goes down. Not minute rice. Down. Because minute rice is made in five minutes. I, well, th- wait a minute. You, you just know? hit on it right there. I know. That's and you got to put your, your hand out like that, like five. Five minutes. And you got to be the, the maid from the, 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 the Brady the, Bunch. The Brady Bunch, exactly. But there you go. Brilliant That's it. Rice is the ultimate commodity. It has nothing to separate for one type of rice from another except for price. And then they come out with something like minute rice. Ready in five minutes, you go, it's the quickest rice. Yeah. You know, you think about it, and, and history is is full of examples of stuff like this. Now, you know, I always, I always go back to suitcases. Suitcases, you know, you see them at the airport, they are all black suitcases. Everybody's suitcase is exactly the same, but back in the 1960s, American tourister, they said, you know, there's this insight that tourists and people who are traveling think that the guys who are slinging the suitcases are a bunch of gorillas. <laughs> and you know where this is going. I do. So they did this commercial where they ha- they threw a suitcase into a cage with a gorilla and the gorilla tried to throw it all around and they had this voiceover saying the people at the airport treat your suitcase like this and a gorilla can't kill it so the guy at the airport can't kill it either and suddenly you went everybody's suitcase is a suitcase the ultimate rice commodity except American tourister will withstand the torture of a gorilla it became differentiated and I remember that commercial I just don't remember which product it was, like which company, but you're telling me it's American Tourist. So what did Samsonite, as an example, do? Well, how, how did it come back? How I don't know respond? how Samsonite Maybe came back. Maybe it threw it in the water and said ours is waterproof? I don't know, because you see, that's, that's the beauty of it. That's, that's what I'm asking about, because when you get these great advertising campaigns, okay, mm-hmm. Pepsi and Coke, et cetera, uh, equal, more or less equal product. Exactly and the same product. It's, it's the advertising of one that, that does the work and out, mm-hmm. outnumbers the other and uh, is more successful than the other. My question is, when a great ad appears, what does the rival do? Well, you know, Has there ever been a case where someone comes out with a great ad and its rival comes out and goes, you know what, <laughs> look at our ad, and it just escalates? You know, it's, it, there's, there's a funny thing because it's, it's the old uh, trying to cross or, or trying to get past the 800-pound gorilla or trying to cross past an impenetrable wall. You have a rival that's Nike. And they are the best, baddest sneaker advertiser in the whole wide world. You do not try to outdo them on their home turf. You have to shift the rules of engagement. You know, if, you, if you're fighting a battle and they're really good at a ground war, you have to take to the air. If they're good at the air, you have to take to the sea. You have to take on something that you can own. Now, that's really funny that you should bring up 
uh, you know, going up against the biggest, baddest rival, because there's an example where uh, a World Cup in times past, I think this was in the late 90s, um, Adidas won the sponsorship of a, of a World Cup soccer tournament. And so Adidas had advertising that covered the city. It was in Europe. And they covered the, the, the city in advertising, and nobody else could get in because Adidas had it locked tight. No advertising was available. So Nike took all the stoplights, and it was a city in Amster, it was a city in Holland, actually, where their national color is orange. Right. And they took all the stoplights, so it goes green, orange, red, and they put a Nike swoosh on all the orange in between lights, you know, so it, it, it goes green, orange, red, and every so the orange, ambers. the ambers, every amber light had a Nike swoosh on it, which right away made people think, hey, Nike's the color of Holland, Holland's our team. They scooped Adidas by doing something clever, differentiating themselves, and winning a war for virtually no money against a multi-million dollar ad buy. Wow. Yeah, How it happens they, all the time. Was that in, I can't remember, because the World Cup, I'm trying to figure out. It where, was in Holland. Was it, was it, maybe it was, couldn't have been World Cup. It might have been the UEFA's or something. No, no, was, I, well, uh, all I remember, okay, I remember, I just enough. remember the campaign. And they got they got permission from the city to do they that. They got permission from the city and they bought it for nickels on the dollar. Cheap, that's brilliant. So I want to I wanna bring that back, though. I want to bring that back because every day, you know, you talk about differentiating yourself. Everybody wants to differentiate themselves. Imagine a city like this. Our real estate market is extremely hot. Yeah. We have a ton of realtors advertising on bus shelters, uh, in, in the newspapers. How do you separate yourself from the crowd? You know, it, it's one of those things. I sell real estate, you sell real estate. I sell financial products, you sell financial products. How do you differentiate themselves? How do you differentiate yourself, you know? It's, a, it's an exercise that clients ask me to do all the time, and I do have, I do have a couple of tips for folks. Okay. So I don't know, you wanna hear them? Not really. No, let's do it anyway. Do it anyway. All right. The first thing, <laughs> the I first thing is to to understand that you don't want the entire pie. You only want a small piece of the pie. Most people get very paranoid. They go, if I can't advertise to everyone, I'm not going to get anyone. But in fact, if you advertise to a very small slice of the population, chances are, if you line up with what they want you're going to get their business. It's not going to be as hard to do. If you try to go after everyone, you're competing with everyone, you're going to disappear. So the first thing is go for a smaller slice of the pie. Second thing, know yourself. I remember when I first went on my own as a consultant, I went to my old boss and I said, John, why do people spend a lot of money to work with me? He said, because you're simple. And I thought, oh, that's fantastic. I'm Forrest Gump. <laughs> that's is, great. He is simple. I'm simple. <laughs> no, you're and, not. And, and he said, no, that's a good thing because life is complicated. Just go with simple. I hated it, but I went with it and it works for me. So you have to understand what people on the other side of the table think you're good at. I have a great example, a guy who organizes social media camp here in town named Chris Burge. He has a digital agency. I went and talked to his clients. He thought they were picking him because he was brilliant and digital. What they loved about him was that he was the grown-up. He's got a little bit of gray hair. He's a grown-up. He knows how to behave like a grown-up. He's like, what? Wow. That's the reason his clients choose him. And is is that good enough? Not, not, it not is his, good his, enough. But I mean, don't you want to be known? And I don't mean on this, this uh -huh. person. I don't know this person. Uh, but to uh, not to be admired, but to, to be selected or picked because of your uh, your your proficient in in, in something. Yes, it's it, that's the thing. Now there's a big difference. Now not because you have gray hair. Th no, there's a big difference. If you believe that you're the best because you have the grayest hair, and everybody's going. So, well, what does that matter? Yeah. 
now, but reframe that and you go, here's people who are spending thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a campaign that works for them. Who are they going to go with? Are they going to go with a 20-year-old with no experience or they want a guy who's got a little more experience? And what they want, a certain crowd wants somebody who's cutting edge, but a certain crowd wants somebody they can trust. And gray hair and experience equals trust. And he never thought that he would be hired because he was the trust brand. Okay, so he's the trust guy. Yeah, and that counts to people. So the first thing, go after a smaller slice of the pie. Second, look on the other side of the table at the buyer. What do they want versus what do you think you're offering? And the third thing, be able to back it up. Be able to back up what you're saying. So a lot of people say, I'm the most experienced, prove it. Where's your testimonials? Where are the people? Because nobody's going to believe you, Brené. Nobody's going to believe me, Stoiber. But they believe him and him and her and her people on the outside saying, yes, it's true what they say. Now, it depends on what occupation you're in, though, right? Tell me an occupation where that doesn't matter. Oh, wait, I think it matters. But, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, what occupation would you be looking for? Uh or testimonials. I mean, if you're in a business where you're dealing with the public, you're uh -huh. a dry cleaner, you're a lawyer, uh -huh. uh, you have, you're a bartender. I don't know. Uh, but if you're, if, Any you're if, if you're working for the, the federal government or mm -hmm. something, I mean, yeah. you want it on your resume. I get that. But it's not like you're going to go out and get testimonials. Mark's really good. He shows up on time every day. I mean, nah. But you think about it. At the base of it, you know, we let our profession cloud over the fact that we're humans, and humans make deals with humans, and humans prefer humans or don't like humans. I so, don't like humans. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not liking humans. You're a very likable guy. Right. Don't believe what everybody else except me says. <laughs> um, right. And and so people deal with people, and so we might say we've got a tie and a suit and a profession and a title, but at the end of the day, we're humans. So we can talk about that in a second. Let's do that. Okay. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, while we're in a break, don't forget to check out Stop Busting Your Brand at stopbustingyourbrand.com. It's a great read. Let me know what you think. Now, let's get back to the show. We're talking about how you can stand above the others, whether you're a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. How do you come across as the business people want to do business with? My guest is Mark Stoiber, brand consultant, entrepreneur. He's a writer, a couple of books under his belt because uh, he stole them. No, these are the ones he wrote. They're not literally under his belt. Didn't see it coming. His latest is called Stop Busting My Butt. No, Stop Busting Your Brand. That's what it's called. Okay, let's talk about this. And you were telling me uh, during the commercial break uh, that there's a great story about a guy who manufactured tires. Yeah. Tell me about this. It's a metaphor. Um, <laughs> but imagine back in the day, because people say, how could I possibly differentiate myself? Well, this, this exercise tells you the entire story. Imagine you're a realtor, a financial manager, a doctor, dentist, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. Thank you. Listen hard. Uh, the world's first tire manufacturer. He's manufacturing tires for cars. Cars just came off the production line. He's the only game in town. He owns the market. He can charge whatever price he wants. However, of course, as things do move, uh, other people look in and say, wait a minute, I can get a piece of that. So they start to manufacture the exact same tires as he does. His profits get cut in half. He's not making as much money. However, he does not pack up and go home. He says, you know what? I'm going to differentiate myself. So he starts looking around. The power of insight and observation is key to differentiating yourself. What do people want? And he sees this new thing coming off the production line. It's a truck. 
Nobody else is making truck tires. He says, I'm not going to make car tires. I'm going to make truck tires. Well, he's just cut his market down by half, but he owns that market because nobody else is making truck tires. Of course, he makes a fortune at this, and then somebody else comes in, and another person, another person, another person. They all start making the same truck tires. However, being an intrepid entrepreneur, he doesn't say, oh, heck with it, I'm just going to go home. He says, wait a minute. There is no such thing as a motorcycle yet. There's no such thing as a bicycle. Humor me here. But <laughs> there is only cars and trucks. He says, so I can't differentiate anymore by car or truck. However, I'm sure there's different types of truck owners. Now he's not saying the type of vehicle. He's saying the type of owner, the person, what people are looking for. Now, what do you look for in a truck tire? Some people look for the toughest truck tire. Some people look for the longest lasting. They look for the safest, the lowest noise, the longest wearing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's infinite. So what he does, he picks one. He says, I am going to be the luxury truck tire. Of course, he's just cut his market down to a very tiny slice of the pie. However, in that market, if he says, I am the luxury truck tire and nobody else says it, he owns that market. He can take his prices up, take them north instead of south, and he owns it so he doesn't even have to advertise. It's the story of Michelin. Is it's, that right? It's a story of any great sort of tire manufacturer, yeah. Firestone, Dragster tires, Michelin, the safest tires. You know, it's it's that is how this works. So think of yourself, Mr. Realtor, Mrs. Financial Manager. Think of yourselves in that position and go, wait a minute. I don't have to make up something hokey like say, hey, I'm the friendliest, because that's garbage. But think of yourself like a tire manufacturer. How do you separate something either by the market you're in? Is it professional, uh, commercial, or is it personal, or is it appealing to different people's needs. You brought up real estate agents as an example. Mm -hmm. How can they do that? Can they just say, okay, you know what, I'm just going to do luxury homes, and which is what some do. A lot of them do. Or I'm only going to do homes with swimming pools. Yes. I'm only going to do homes on even sides of the street. I mean, like, how do you narrow it down and still make it profitable? LGBTQ. Veterans. Older people. Single people. Divorced people. People have very different needs, and if you live that need for rock stars, the realtor to the rock stars. Wouldn't that be the greatest job ever, selling homes to rock stars? Or the worst. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. think of it. If Maybe. you have credibility, if you're going, you know what? Radio personalities need certain types of homes. They need inspiring homes downtown. They need to be gritty. They need to be in the heat of it because gritty. they need to be inspired <laughs> like you. Um, and with a lot of integrity, these homes. Yes. And Built that, tough. Built tough. But exactly. Very empathetic homes. Empathetic and friendly. So that is, if you say, I'm going to give up being a radio DJ and what I'm going to do is I am going to go sell homes, you go, wait a minute, maybe there's a market there. Yeah. Maybe there's a market for people who are right out of university. Well, imagine you're right out of university and you don't have anything to do. You go, well, I'm going to sell homes. No 65-year-old man is going to trust you to sell him a home, but maybe another 25-year-old who says, wait a minute, I, I'm like you. How old do you think I am? Well, you're like a 25-year-old college student. <laughs> for anybody who hasn't seen you, they know that. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's switch the topic before things get even worse. Mm -hmm. Let's go to pot. This show has gone to pot. Okay, how do? Here's a great one because you know, as you know, uh, basically a month from yesterday, um, the cannabis will be legal. How do these pharmacies? How does one stand above 
the next. Generally speaking, they're selling the same product. Yes. So how does one take a, a bigger share of the market? That's interesting because, you know, if you are experienced in pot, like if you're experienced in beer, you're experienced in real estate, you look at the subtleties. But the more majority of us, the folks who have the money but aren't in the market yet, we don't know anything. We don't know beans about pot. So we're looking on the outside going, I don't know what to get. So there are some companies out there that really, really nailed this, and I want to point one out. They're called Candescent. And anybody should go take a look at Candescent's website and try to figure out what they're selling. Because what they're selling, they're selling pot, but what they're selling is a lifestyle experience uh -huh. to up-and-coming people, the sort of people who are driving Ferraris. And they're young and hip, and they're GQ models, and they're living the candescent lifestyle. And there's also, there's also brands that are selling to 40-year-old women, saying, what exactly is a 40-year-old woman looking for in a pot experience? Now, that is so far removed from what the majority of pot manufacturers are doing. They're saying they're selling brands. They're selling names. They're selling what sort of a high you're going to get or what sort of medical impact you're going to get. Take a look at pot. It's this thing that I'm talking about, this positioning thing writ large. I see it right now. Very impressive website. Wow, it's what, extremely good. What an elegant way to sell pot in such a beautiful little Think box. about it. If you're a realtor, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, take a look at Candescent and think about how that can change your Candescent. life. Candescent. Are they, are they from California? They're from California. I see. But there's a lot of folks doing that because marijuana is prime for differentiation. Listen, thank you for coming in. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast for brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit because of it.